Elijah. Pretty cool. Doesn't it look like it should be a movie? I was like, I want to see that movie. That's really cool. What a, what a great character in the scripture, uh, Elijah. Um, today, um, we finished up our old school series, and last week we had a transition, um, transitional week. And um, so this week, we talked about being uh, hopelessly lost or lost in hope last week. And so today, um, we're going we're gonna to con- move into a new series. I kind of like doing the series things, and I look, and um, there's some things going on. I'll, t- I'll give you some message of my madness. Also, if you're visiting today, and you'd like to, um, our, our kids have what we call our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry, and you, they, can head, they head that way and across to the cafeteria. And if, um, if you have uh, high school age that they want to go, I believe they're in the back across from the um, women's bathroom. Um, not in it. They're away from it. Um, but they are, um, they are meeting with the high school age youth group during this time, too. So if they want to go to that, by all means, go ahead and have a good time. All right? Everybody good? Everybody good? You frozen? Are you the frozen chosen today? Um, that's what we used to say. I, I'm, I'm a little chilly, but it's all good. Um, I'd rather be that way than burning hot myself. So I kind of like this weather. This is my favorite type of weather. So we are going to do a near, new series, and it's called Monster Faith. And what I thought was really cool about it is um, we're going to do this for three weeks. And so it'll lead us right up to the time where we all, where people run around and we knock on our door and ask for candy. And if we don't give it to them, they throw dog poo at our door or something like that. So, um, uh, so I, I thought it'd be, it would fit kind of well. And um, this week I didn't do it, but maybe the next following weeks I may put on some kind of costume. All right, just, to, just for your viewing pleasure, okay? I don't know how pleasurable it'll be for you, but it will be for me. Um, and you'll know where my son gets it, who runs around in costume every week. So, um, but we, we will go ahead and, and do that. So in this, that may seem kind of weird, monster faith. Um, but one of the things that uh, we were going to do in this series is we're going to study people. There have always been times, I kind of looked at the front of the bulletin today and with a picture I put on there, and it kind of took me back to Sunday school. Anybody go to Sunday school? And you remember you get those little pictures and like your, your little ripped out thing and you'd look at it and you'd be like, it was always a story about somebody. And you know what's really funny about Sunday school? And this is something I've always found that's really funny about church is they spend all the time talking about like, like all the Old Testament stuff, like Joshua, and um, a lot about Moses, and about Elijah. They give us all the blood and gore in Sunday school, and then we don't talk about it in church. Have you noticed that? For years, we've always just kind of talked about, like, the vicious kind of, yeah, this is, let's kill, destroy, God running, yeah, take the Philistines out. David and Goliath was one of my favorite stories ever. You know, wasn't it? How cool was that? One year, I dressed up as David. Maybe I will next week. Who knows? Um, so, but... You know, and then we kind of got just so focused in the New Testament when we get to church level age. And we miss something immense without the Old Testament. I mean, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He said, I didn't come to abolish it, move it away. I'm the fulfillment of that. So we're going to look about some people. And I'll even tell you who we're going to look about. And we're going to talk about monster faith on mountaintop, on mountain experiences. So monster, monster faith in mountain experiences. Today we're going to talk about Elijah and his experience at Mount Carmel. Then um, next week I'm going to talk about Abraham and his monster faith on Mount Moriah. Or Mount Horeb or whatever you want to talk about. And then the third week we're going to finish it off. And we're going to talk about Jesus' monster faith at Golgotha. All right, so that's where we're going. So you'll know where we're going to head there. Sound kind of cool? Sound intriguing? All right, it does to me. So... Um, and that's what I got, so deal with it. So before we continue on, I just want to ask you this, this question. And it, who has had enough? 
Now, I really don't know what I'm asking in that question, I got to be honest. I don't really know what I fully mean by that. Um, it was funny, like last night, I just wanted to test it out, so I put it on Facebook and said, um, have you had enough, or I've had enough? And people were like, yeah. And then one person said, yeah, but I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, that's the question. What is it enough of? Just think about that. And as we, as we enter into this today, I want you to just, uh, we're going we're gonna to start with a prayer today. It's going to be a little bit different. Some sermons, I bounce around a lot, the different scriptures, and you're, if you have your Bible, you're kind of going through it. Today, we're going to stay in one major section. Um, they're going to be in 1 Kings in the Old Testament. So today, I'd just like to go ahead and, and open with prayer. Okay, is that good? Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for bringing us here um, throughout this week. A lot, for many of us, uh, if they're like me, um, and they are because they're human, um, we've had a lot of ups and downs. We've had a lot of roller coaster situations. We've had some that's just been boredom. Um, many of us may have been like me and had a couple days where you were sick and just didn't feel so hot. Um, but God, you know, I, I just thank you for bringing us all here today. Um, I just ask that, that your Holy Spirit just come and minister to us. We invite you to just, you know, and what a joke that we invite you. But God, that's, that's how you want it. You want us to just invite you into our lives, into our hearts. So right now, God, all that stuff, I just, I just can see it and, and, and feel it in people's minds and lives that there's just a lot of stuff. And God, right now, we just want to place that aside and just focus on what you want to talk to us today about, about having this monster faith in, in the, the way of Elijah. So God, let's just, just come and minister to us in a special way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Elijah. Elijah. How many have heard of Elijah before? Elijah's a really cool guy in the Scripture. And you know what's really funny? We don't hear anything about Elijah until chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Nothing. We go along, hear absolutely nothing. Then all of a sudden, chapter uh, 17, here he is. And it's, it starts very, really kind of abruptly. And here it is right here. I'll put it up on the screen for you today. It says, now, Elijah, the Tishbite, Guess, get this, he's a Tishbite from, guess where? Tishbe, that's how that works, okay? So he's the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Stop. This is the first time the guy comes on the scene at all. First time we hear about him. This is what he says. Now, for those of us who may not know biblical history, Ahab was a king. And he goes to King and King Ahab was not a good king. He had a wife. Anybody know her name? Jezebel. Now, how many of you named your, your firstborn daughter Jezebel? Anybody? No, why? Because if somebody's a Jezebel, they're not, they don't have very impeccable character. Am I right with that? So, you know, I tried to name a couple of my kids Jezebel. Melissa wouldn't go for it. But um, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. So Elijah had lived in a very evil time. As a matter of fact, Ahab is known as one of the most evil kings, along with his wife Jezebel, in the whole history of God's people. And here is a picture of the map of the world as it is now. Modern-day Israel and Jordan and some other areas. And you can see it was the divided kingdom. It was the Israelites who went out of Egypt together. Now we have them separated, Israel and Judah. One tribe's out, the other one is the rest of them, and they just kind of disappear off the face of the earth eventually. But this is what is existing at this time. Now, when we look at this, Ahab and Jezebel were very evil. 
and they, they ceased, Israel itself had ceased to worship God at this time. They, they had ceased to worship God, and in doing so, it was actually illegal to worship the true God. They had Baal, or Baal, B-A-A-L, real hard to spell, Baal. And here was Baal, and then you had another one that was Asherah, which was kind of a fertility goddess and all kinds of other things. And that was the ones that were being promoted. Primarily the gods and goddesses of Jezebel became the forefront. And she wanted nothing else but that. And so they, they corrupted all of the worship that occurred. It was illegal to worship. And what they did is they completely tried to remove God from their society at the time. And for me, I started to look and say, well, boy, does that ring true? And I just think in my, in my life, in many of your lives, in your lives, you've had the Lord's Prayer removed from school. Remember, anybody remember saying the Lord's Prayer in school? Okay, you're giving away your age. Okay. Um, then we've had major controversies about uh, the Ten Commandments, those along with Hammurabi's Robbie's Code of Laws and other kinds of things like that, shaping Western Legal, legal uh, codes being removed from, other, from uh, courthouses and other kinds of things. Um, uh, I believe a, a few years ago was the first time there was never a manger scene at the White House during the holiday time um, and Christmas time. We actually now, even I caught myself there saying it, we actually have changed the terminology. We don't say Merry Christmas. We say Happy Holidays, which is really funny because we're really saying Happy Holy Days, which is where that comes from. Um, and uh, there's, actually, there's been lots of discussion about removing one nation under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. It's an ongoing thing that continues on and on. It's, this is not a, new to everybody, right? I just want to get us on the table. Um, there's even been an interesting occasion where people have um, tried to remove the roadside crosses as memorials and make them illegal to put on there because they are a Christian reference. All right? And... Uh, symbol. So we, we kind of live in this kind of world right now. But it was even worse in those days of Elijah. They, had, they corrupted all the worship. And actually in Baal's temple, they had priestesses who were actually prostitutes that went to church. And that was an act of worship that existed within there. Um, babies were of absolutely no value. What they had is massive statues of Baal or Baal. Baal. And what they would do, they were made out of metal and they would actually, bronze, and they would actually heat those up and take newborn babies and place them on this heated metal um, statue to give them as a sacrifice to Baal. This is God's chosen people that he redeemed out of Israel, and this is what they've become. So you can see that it is a vicious, vicious time in the life of God's people. And Elijah came to a point, here he is again, Elijah comes to a point where he says, I've had enough. I've had enough. So I want to ask you today, have you had enough? Now, what's interesting with this, and hopefully you're not saying you've had enough of my sermon already because I'm just getting rolling, um, but had enough. You know, I remember in this room when I was in middle school. Now, when we first started worshiping here, they, remember they had the, and some of you who went here, they had the bleachers that you pulled out. How many remember that? Okay. Now, when I was a kid, uh, what was it? Let me see. 
seventh grade was on this side and eighth grade was on this side. Am I right with that? I see some people saying, yeah, okay. So we're that way. And we used to do really fun things like throw apples and stuff and have food fights over top. You guys remember that? Okay. Um, and we used to do that. But I remember one day there was this guy named Robert. We'll just call him Robert. And Robert was kind of a bully. And I remember there was this other guy named Jay. And every day, Robert would kind of pick on Jay. And one day when we were leaving this room, the bell or buzzer or whatever it did rang, we're walking out, and right in the hallway, we're on the opposite side where many of you get food, um, Robert shoved, or he took his, uh, a chain, had a chain, and hit Jay. Or just kind of shoved him in the back of the head. And Jay had enough. And Jay turned around and beat the living snot out of Robert. And I was like, oh, dude, that is cool. Because if he ever messes with me, I'm going to stand by Jay. You know what I mean? Um, I always figured out, hang out with a guy who's going to clock somebody else. So I thought, that, you know, that was really cool. I was like, you know, I'm in middle school. You know, there's things that are cool. Girls and that, you know. I mean, fights. You know, they were the cool things. Everybody's going to fight. Um, you, you either went behind the stairs to kiss before they got you, or you went outside and fought somewhere. That's how it was. Am I right? Those of you who attended here, how many attended here? Am I right? There we go. All right. Just, just I'm not making this up. Um, and so I thought, you know, Elijah had enough here. He was kind of like Jay. Had enough and did something about it. So when we look at this, how many of you have had enough? It may be that you've had enough of what the world has to offer. It may be that you've had enough of living life your way. It may be that you've had enough of the sinful habits that tend to build. You know, that's one of the things sin does. It builds and builds and builds. And it builds walls. It builds avenues into worse sin. Um, you may even be, you may have even had an, enough of your own halfway commitments. You know, like you kind of commit halfway, and what ends up happening is you end up spending time, that you spend more time saying why you can't serve because you don't know why you're doing it, but just because you're halfway committed. You know what I mean? We come up with things, well, I would, but, you know, the sun's up today, or, you know, I've got to wash my hair. Anybody ever, you know, you know what I mean, don't you? You know that there's times, there's opportunities to connect and serve, and you just come up with something else. And then when you're done, you're saying, that would have been really fun, but that might have been a good thing, but why didn't I do that? Or it may be that you may have had enough about just excuses of sharing Jesus with your neighbors or your friends. So, for those of you who said, I've had enough of whatever enough is, what are you going to do about it? You see, Elijah not only had enough and said, I've had enough, and he just stomped his feet. And, and, you know, being a political year, I've heard everybody on both sides and all around the sides say they've had enough and stomped their feet. But I've heard very little people tell me what they're going to do about it. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I think that's representative in many of our lives. Oh, believe me, I can gripe and moan about a lot of different things in life. Anybody with me? I can moan, gripe, gripe, moan, flip it around, and moan and gripe upside down, too. I can do that. But when it comes to doing something about it, sometimes I come up very short. And so, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to serve? Are we going to share Christ? Maybe you've had enough of you, and you just need more of him in your life today. Well, whatever it is, Elijah decides to do something. And so, as we, the first thing I want to share about Elijah today is Elijah is a doer. Elijah is a doer. We're going to look at 1 
we're, we're going to go through this scripture. I've got a lot of scripture slides today. So if you, left your, if you have your Bible, open 1 Kings. It's right in front of 2 Kings. That's how that works. Um, and if not, I've got a lot of scripture up here that I'm going to go. And I'm just going to uh, be, be different. We're just going to unpack the scripture. And talk about his monster faith and how we can apply that in life today. So, as we look, I said the first time we came in contact with Elijah, we find out that he is a doer. Now, keep in mind, the first time we heard about him was the beginning of chapter 17. He said, hey, King Ahab, ain't going to rain until I say so because you're pretty evil. And King Ahab probably said, yeah, right. Then, guess what? It happened. And so we come to this point in chapter 18, and these slides are up here. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria, so Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a devout believer of the Lord. Once Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden 100 of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. Remember, one more, this tells you about Elijah. Elijah says, God told me, and this is what I'm going to do, no water, that means there's going to be famine, there's going to be drought, and, you know, they get really nervous when we start to have some dry periods, you know, you hear that? Here, there's nothing for years, imagine that. So he says, I'm going to have drought, here it is, time has passed, we have a tremendous famine and a tremendous drought at this point. Obadiah is a believer, he believes in God, but he's in charge of the palace for Ahab and Jezebel. Anybody ever worked with non-believers who can't stand Christians? Is that an easy situation? This is Obadiah. Obadiah says, okay, I'll go ahead and hide some of the prophets. And, but still, Ahab trusted him. So here we go. We have this situation that's existing now. There's this tremendous famine. And, um, uh, and then Ahab says to Obadiah, next slide, we must check every spring, valley, and land to see if we can find enough grass to serve at least some of my horses and mules. So they divided the land between them. Ahab went one way by himself. Obadiah went another way by himself. As Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming toward him. This is not an exciting moment for Obadiah. He has hidden a hundred of God's prophets. And here's why he says this. Look, he says, Obadiah recognized him at once, bowed low to the ground before him. Is it really you, my Lord Elijah? He says, yes, it is. And then Elijah says something to him. Go tell Ahab I'm going to come meet with him. Now, Jezebel and Ahab wanted to rid all of Israel from anybody who believed in God. Obadiah continues on and tells us that I can't. What harm have I done to you? Because what has happened, Obadiah, and you can go see the next slide, um, it starts with earth right here. So he said, they've gone over the earth end to end to find you. And each time he was told, Elijah isn't here, King Ahab. He wanted Elijah killed because he created a famine and he said it's because you don't believe in God. Now just, just walk with me through this. We're unpacking scripture. It's a little bit different today. In doing so, Obadiah has been one of those people saying, he's not here, he's gone. Now he runs into him and the first thing Elijah says is, go tell your boss I'm going to come meet with him. Obadiah says, but we've been telling him you're gone. What have I done that I'm going to get killed? Because what's going to happen? And, Ob- and he says this again. He, look at this verse 11. Verse 11 here, he says, 
and you say, go and tell your master, Elijah's here, but as soon as I leave you, the spirit of the Lord will come and carry you away to who knows where. And when Ahab comes to look for you, they won't find you and they're going to kill me. Now keep in mind, Obadiah is a believer. And Elijah says, no, 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 no. Tell him, I'm coming. You know, that's what he says. I'm coming to see you. All right? Now, go tell your master that I'm here. Then we look at this next slide. And look at how, look at the faith of Obadiah versus the faith of Elijah. Obadiah says, but, you know, he starts reminding Elijah and God why he shouldn't be dead. Look at this right here. What does it say? Um, remember? When Jezebel wanted to kill him, I took a hundred of the prophets and I hid them. Fifty in one cave, fifty in another. I've been really good. I've kept a low profile, but I've helped from the inside. Um, is there any way I don't have to go tell Ahab to do this? Let me ask you, in your life, have you ever had that you felt that God wanted you to do something and you really weren't excited about doing it? Here's one of those cases. He doesn't want to go back because he's a fear for his life. He says, so if I go say that, they're going to kill me. Elijah says, I swear by the Lord Almighty in whose presence I now stand, that I will present myself to Ahab. Now, on your sheet there, he was a doer. Because in 1818 of Kings, look at what the Lord says. After a long time in the third year, we have three years of drought. The word of the Lord came and said, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. What he is, is he's obedient to God. He's a doer. He's obedient to God. And he says, okay, I'm going to go do it. Keep in mind, they wanted to kill him. It was not going to be an exciting existence here. They wanted to go ahead and kill him. But Elijah does it. He goes and he does it. So Elijah comes in, into the room. Here he is. Comes into the place and meets with him. Why was there a problem with Elijah? Why did he have such a, a big, 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 big problem with him? Because one of the things that we find out is Elijah set a standard of faith that the king couldn't live up to. For the king, it was about, you know, we're just doing this. I mean, some of the, some of the practices that existed in Baal worship, it gratified the flesh, it gratified them. What we want, it filled us. It was what I need, it works for me. And then I'll go ahead and adjust this in a little bit. But I don't need a God that's requiring more from me. I don't need a God that is requiring me to connect. I want to require, I want to create a God in my image. And Elijah set a standard that others could not live up to. What I'm saying here is Elijah was not ashamed of who he served. I want to take you to a verse in Luke, chapter um, 9, verse 23 through 26. And listen to what Jesus says here. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, we've made that very poetic. Take your cross and follow me. To the people of the day that was read to, the cross was a sign of, of, of death. So what Jesus says is, if you want to follow me, I want you to lay everything down from your life. I want you to take all that you think is special to you. I want you to lay that aside, and I want you to be willing to even give up your life for the cause for me. He even expounds on this a little bit more. Let's take a look at this. Um, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life 
for me will save it. I got to tell you, when I've done that in funerals, I've used this verse, I'm conflicted. Because I'm like, what, is, what does that mean sometimes? You ever feel that? You hear things in Scripture? If you want to save your life, then give it up. But if you want to lose it, save it. And you know, then I started to think, I've known so many people that have lived their own way time and time again, and in doing so, have lost their true life for living life their way. And then I've known people who've laid down their life completely for the Lord. And their, their life, they, I saw hardship, I saw tragedy, I saw all kinds of things. Yet I saw a, a fruit of life that continued in other people that has never been compared. So many try to hold on to their life and lose it in this world. What does it mean to give it up and save it? Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit your very self? Whoever is ashamed of my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of when he comes, on, comes in glory and, is, and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. Stop. This is another one of these verses. Remember last week I talked about verses I like to skip the end of? I like the verse. I kind of like the early part of this, take up your cross and follow me. I don't even go with lay down your life, gain it, lose it. That's kind of a cool little verse. But when you get to the point where God says, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. I started going back through my mind, my, my mental Rolodex. Anybody have one of those? Yeah. It's kind of like, for those of you who don't know this, it's kind of like those uh, little flicker books. Remember those? They look like they're moving, but they just flick them. And what I began to see is time, when, I, when I came across this verse and really began to let it unpack me, I found that there's many times in my life, even times a, as a pastor, where my actions have displayed that I'm ashamed of God. Anybody else ever been there? Like, for instance, there may be a moment that somebody says something and you start, and you had this, like, for me it's like a slap on the back of the head, where he's like, share me, they need me, and I transition something else because i got to get somewhere or I, I'm in an environment that, that wouldn't be acceptable. Anybody with me there? Or even my behavior may show that I'm ashamed of God in the midst of this. So many people have lost their lives. Elijah was not ashamed. He went to stand in danger. He was brave in front of ridicule and persecution. He had monster faith that existed here. He was ready to roll and to go with it. He said, I'm here. Walks in the door. One of the things that we find out is Elijah was not politically correct. Politically correct. When I was in college is when the political correctness really started to come to the forefront. And I actually wrote something to the college newspaper because I need column inches for my graduation. And it was about political correctness and how I, I felt that it actually does more detriment because now we say things when we really don't feel them. That we hide our racism, we hide our sexism, we hide our hatred more so under the guise of something else. And I, I wrote that article many, many years ago. And as I look from some of this, look at this verse um, that we see here that comes up here. So Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? So who is the troublemaker now? And this is something I found that is more and more evident in our world today that when we, Elijah is just making a stand for God. 
And when we make a stand for Christ and for God in this world anymore, we are considered the ones who are intolerant. Have you noticed that? That when we stand up for our faith in God, we end up having this conflict that we are the ones who are closed-minded. We are the ones who don't love. But let me tell you something. The heart of the Christian faith is love those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Didn't that what Jesus said? How is that intolerant? Maybe we have done something to our Christian faith that isn't in contact with what God calls us to do. Maybe we need to love the unlovable more. Maybe those people who hate us all the more, we need to love them all the more. Maybe those who curse at us all the more, we need to bless them all the more. Instead of existing in this combative way that God never intended for. I hate the verse. Hate, hate, hate the verse of Scripture. Did a preacher say he hated the verse? Yes. The one of if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other one. I want to turn this one. You know what I mean? That's where I am. Or I want them to turn theirs so I can take a crack at them. I don't like when people are nasty to me. I don't like when people, but you know, me, what's it matter? What I should be is more angry like Elijah and say, I've had enough when people are nasty to God and treat Christ like he's secondary. And those moments when I allow people to do that, I realize I'm telling God I'm Obadiah. I'm ashamed of God in many ways, right? So what do we have here? We have him saying, you our problem. You are intolerant. You are the one who is there. In 18, Elijah has enough. Look what he says in 18. I made, tr- I made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Look at that faith. He says, you are the problem, and he throws it in your mom and your kids too. Do you realize that? He's, he's walking in a place where they want to kill him, and he says, call him, you talking to me? Right? He's doing, that's right, he's doing the old Robert, you talking to me? Right? No, 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 okay, you want to talk bad about God, bring it. I'm going to tell you, you're the problem, and I know you want to kill me, you're the problem, and your stinking wife and your stinking kids too. You, you want to play? That's some monster faith when everybody around you want to kill you. So I began to ask myself some other questions. What about me? Look what he says in verse 21. I love verse 21. And I love this verse of Scripture right here in in the Living Translation. Verse 21 says, So Elijah stood in front of him. How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? I have no clue what hobbling means, but I love it. They say it a couple times, hobbling. I get this kind of thing like you're kind of back and forth. Hobble, hobbling, that you're just kind of lame in your faith. How many of us had lame faith? You know what I mean? And he continues on with this process as well. You see, Elijah had no time for wavering. His monster faith didn't allow him to have one second of wavering faith at this point. I mean, when you go into the most powerful person, into his court, at the most powerful time when they want to kill you, and you say, you, your wife, your kids, right? That's some guts. That's some guts. I just think it's, it's amazing, his faith, that he stands here. Israel came around. So Elijah says, you know, I don't have time for your hobbling, for your halfwayness. I don't have time for this. He says, you've got 450 prophets of Baal. I got me. 
and I got God. So Elijah continues on. And you know what I, what I believe? I believe that many of the people of Israel, it says the people were silent. I believe many of the people of Israel at that time were just like many in the church today. Believe in God, but silent. Believe in the Lord and are silent. You know, there, there's many people I know who know God, who know him really well, who know Jesus, believe in Jesus, love Jesus, say they love Jesus, but their lives completely look like they've never even known who he is. You know what I mean? I think we've all been guilty of that. They say, oh, I love the Lord, and then they're out doing whatever. They're like half and half, half, you know, half I'm, I'm enjoying Jesus, half I'm enjoying the devil, half I'm here, you know what I mean? And that's that hobbling, I think. You can't walk a straight path that God creates in, in faith if you're hobbling along the track. And you know what? I'm going to say this. There are some people, there are some people who need to do the world a favor and stop telling them they believe in Jesus. You know what I mean by that? There are some people who say they love Jesus, and act, and, but act totally different. And so people are seeing that if you love Jesus, this is how you act. And they should just do us all a big favor and just stop. You know, he says, we, throughout the scriptures, like, why waver between two opinions? This is what he's saying here. He says, why are you doing this? You're all quiet. You know, you, I know some of you definitely say you know the Lord. Some of you are doing the worship of Baal. I don't care which one you choose. Pick one or the other and just deal with it. And I think many people today are the same way. We like the stuff out here, but we also want to have this here. And when we do that, we're hobbling just like the Israelites. But what we need is Elijah. We need a monster faith like Elijah to say, I stand for God. And realize it's not going to be pretty when that happens either. But Elijah is an awesome character. The people were silent even though they knew who God was. But the problem was God of Israel was not their only God. I want to ask you a question. In looking at your life, because I'm doing this to me. This is one of these mirror sermons, I mean, where I preach in the mirror. How many of us, and us is me included in that, how many of us have our own bales in our lives? We have things that we worship, things that we give more time, things that we give more thought, more effort, more praise to in our life than we do God. Jesus reminds us, remember that verse? If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Deny Baal and follow me. You see, Baal-esque lives, Baal-esque lives, leave us empty and, and worse. We can go with God and we can, we can go the other way. But pick a side is where we're at now. Pick a side. Now, now comes the greatest time. This is my fav- one of my favorite parts of scripture. I love this. I love this. love this. Here you have. So Elijah says, all right, here we go. I've got an idea. Let's have a contest. Or if Michael Buffer was there, let's get ready to rumble. Right? That's right. There we go. Give it to me again. Rumbo! There we go. All right. So, you want them all to try that? Get everybody to try that, Sean? Okay, he said no. I was going to let you all try. But he said, let's get ready to rumble. You know, he's ready. And he goes, he says, I got this idea. Let's do this. 
Let's go ahead. You take the 450 prophets, Baal and all them. You get them together. Let's have a contest. Just me and God. What I want you to do, let's make some altars. Let's, let's put some wood on there. And let's go ahead and just pray. And whoever God, God, whoever God lights that up, that's a real God. All the people said, yeah. Okay, all the people said? Yeah. Oh, all the people said? Yeah. There we yeah. go. I'm, in a little while, I'm, I feel like James Brown. All the people say, hi. Hey! You know right, what I mean? So, um, ah, in line, all the people say, hi. Hey! Yeah, there we go. Um, get on up. Okay, there we go. Sorry. Um, my James Brown moment. There we go. Um, so, bull versus bull, altar versus altar, and you got to love where he goes with this. If you have your Bibles, you really want to open up to this part because this is an awesome experience. And I love Elijah because he is just a smart aleck. Or you can fill in the last word. He is just that. He's just a jerk. And I love it. I love it. His faith is so cocky and arrogant because he's confident in his God. And I wonder how many times am I arrogant and cocky because my faith in God is so strong. Not myself. Because Elijah will have a failing just a chapter later. But... He is set. He knows. He's in the groove. He knows this is from God. And listen to what he does here. Here we go. So, they get together and it says, Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Hey, we don't have to do a coin toss. You go first. So, Elijah, I just picture him kicking back. We've been there. Some of us who've been to Israel have been to the spot, Mount Carmel. And I can just picture Elijah kicking back. And listen to what he starts to say. Extremely humorous. So, he says, choose one of the bulls, in verse 25, choose one of the bulls, prepare it, call on the name of the Lord your God, do not, set the, do not set it to fire, don't set the wood on fire yet, okay, then he continues on again, so they prepared the bulls, they had it all together, so they, they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh Baal, answer us, but there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, and here's that word again, hobbling around the altar. I just like that translation. Don't you like that, hobbling? Like here you got a bunch of guys like, you know, running around the altar. And so they, they start hobbling around the altar they made. About noontime, so we have about three, maybe four or five, three to five hours to go by. Listen to what, Baal do, what uh, Elijah does here. It says, about noontime... Elijah began mocking them. I love this. He says, hey, shout a little bit louder. He says, for surely he's God. Now listen to what he starts to say. Look at it. Listen to this verse of scripture. He says in verse uh, 27, for surely he is God. Perhaps he is daydreaming or relieving himself. Isn't that awesome in the scripture? They talk about somebody going to the potty. He's like, hey, shout a little bit louder. Maybe he's just like in his own, you know, Baal's God and he's got a lot of stuff to do. So maybe he's just like kicking out. And I can just see Elijah just kicking back going, hey, uh, maybe he's, uh, you know, just daydreaming, doing something. Or maybe he just had to pee. <laughs> or maybe he's doing number two. So that's why it's taking a little bit longer getting back here, you know. And that's what he's saying. I'm not, ma- I'm not making this up. Look at it. And look at this scripture this week. And, you know, I love how the translators write it. Maybe he's relieving himself. You know, he's saying, maybe he had to pee. Right? Do you find that humorous? I love it. 
He is the cockiest person in Scripture. When he's telling them their God, who they're running around for hours, he's in the bathroom. And they didn't have bathrooms then. They had a tree. So he says, maybe he's relieving himself. I love it. Or maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he went on vacation. You know, he's a busy God. Maybe he's on vacation. Or maybe he's asleep and just needs to be wakened. So listen to what happens then. You know, has anybody ever been taunted in your life? You know, there's those times when you're trying to do something. Like, have you ever tried to do something? And like when you're younger, like an older sibling, we won't mention who, or something will give you like a face like, oh, little baby can't do that. You just want to like, you know, right? You want to just pull them, oh. Or you slip back behind you and go, Bleh, when you're getting in trouble by your parents and they're going, ah. you know what she did to me one time? You know what she did? What? She used to do this for a while. We were, we were from the spanking school, and meaning that when we came home from school, I did something, and my dad spanked me. Um, but, you know, she would sit in the other room and slap herself and say, Jack, 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 get off me. Ow! And he'd come in and whip me. <laughs> Until one day he caught it. And he came in, and he's like going to me like this, and she's like back there, <laughs> and he turned and he got her, and I was like, yes, victory is mine. Yes, all the clouds are in, all the stars are aligned, hallelujah, right? And she got one of the worst weapons of her life, and I was like, yes, 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 right? When you're taunted, it's not fun. And Elijah's having a great time. Hey, he's in the bathroom, shout louder, he's on a trip. Ah, your God's really cool, you know? And when he's doing all this stuff, nobody likes to be taunted. We don't like when things don't work. So listen to what it says in, when, we, when we look at different things. In verse 28, So they shouted louder, and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. And they raved all afternoon until the time of evening sacrifice. But there was no sound, no reply, no response. This leapt out of the page to me, the term which was their normal custom. Their normal custom. They're serving a God. They're dedicating babies, burning them up to this God who never replies, and yet they're willing to cut themselves until blood gushed out. There was a show on, like Nat Geo or something like that. that uh, it was, it was kind of like things, uh, things you wouldn't believe or might have been one of those taboo shows or whatever. And there was these people in this one area that what they would do in order to get their God's attention um, and they were earnest about it, sincere about it. They would stand in lines and punch each other until they just bled and bled. And some people would get so into it, they actually killed people in doing that. And they were earnest in it, and it went from kids as young as 10 all the way up. And here we have these prophets of Baal who are earnest about it. We have many people in our world today that are serving their gods in a very earnest way. And guess what? They still aren't making a sound. There's still no response. There's still no reply. You know, they wanted to get their God's attention. You know how I get my God's attention? Father, I need you. Lord God, I just love you and I want to worship you today. That's how I get my God's attention. I don't need to cut myself. I don't need to do anything special. I just need to say, Daddy, I need you. Jesus taught us to pray, Daddy. You know, 
When my, today, when we were up here today, my son, uh, he, he was a little bit bad in Sunday school last week. Oh. Right, Cindy? Right? She said he was fine, but he was bad. He gets that from his mother. <laughs> but he, um, and you notice today's like the first day he didn't wear a costume. Yeah. Because daddy took it. <laughs> because he was bad. And you, what, the deal I made with him was, if you're good today, and you listen, and you do a good job in Sunday school, you'll get your Superman costume back. So he came over here, sat like the best angel ever, and looked up here while I was up here and said, while you guys were talking, he said, hey, Daddy, if I'm good, I get Superman back, right? (laughs) You see? When he said, hey, Daddy, I turned and looked at him because he knows how to get his dad's attention, you know? He knows how to get his dad's attention in a negative way, too, and I think we do the same thing with our father. But when I cry out and I say, Daddy, I need help. God's there. I don't have to do this other stuff that the world demands from me. I don't have to. And I shouldn't waste my time doing it. I love the fact that they use the term that they raved all evening. I wonder if they had the music like, hobbling around, cutting themselves. I mean, it was like, you know, just this crazy place. That's what raving is. You know, like when people, ah, I dance all night. Right? You know, it's like one theme, and it's like 50 songs that are four hours long. Anybody know, ever heard this? You've, you've read about it, right? Okay. Um, and there's some weird things that pop in my head when I'm up here. I can't, you know, so anyway. Um, this is what occurs and continues into the night. You see, during this contest time, they all gathered together. They had this, and Elijah says, okay, and at the time of sacrifice... Time of easing sacrifice. You see, Elijah wanted to honor God even in this contest. He knew what God was going to do. Look at what he says, what happens here. It says, Elijah um, called all the people and said, Okay, enough of this. I've had enough. You all come here. All the people come here. It's just him. He says, get over here. And the first thing he does, he rebuilt the altar of the Lord that was torn down. And it was the 12 stones because... God has a significant pattern. He said, I wanted 12 stones, each for the 12 tribes of Israel. I want to build the altar that was used for him before. Elijah first rebuilds that. Then he goes ahead and he took 12 stones. He's representing one each tribe. He used the stones to rebuild the altar. He piled the wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, laid the pieces on the wood. He said, fill the four jars with water. Fill four large jars with water. Um, Oh, he also uh, dug a trough and filled that with three gallons of water. And then he said, pour the water over the offering and the wood. Stop. What are we in right now? A drought. Water was gold. You don't just go take water where we can't get it and dump three gallons plus four gigantic jars of water to fill, cover everything with water and fill the trough. They wanted to kill him more. And he says, shut up. Just pour it on there. He took what was most valuable in the world at that time, and used it as a sacrifice to God. Is that monster faith or what? So I ask you, what do you have that is so valuable to you that you can lay down on the altar for the Lord and let him use it in a powerful way? We all have something. And when we look at this some more, it said, he went ahead, and here is Elijah. And he says this. After he had done this, he said, do the same thing again. They did it again. Now do it a third time. There was so much that the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. These people were thirsty. And at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, 
Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Prove me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And look at this verse. It's so cool because what if, what if he didn't? But look at what God does. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. 450 prophets of Baal spending all day with nonsense. One man of God doing what God called him to do changed the entire nation. Are you that one person from God? It burned up rocks. That's hot. Anybody ever been like at a bonfire and it's warm and you get too close and you're like, ah, you get the Burning. I've never seen anything that burns up rocks like that. The fire of the Lord burned it all up. And people believed. They immediately fell face down when they recognized who is the Lord. One guy stands for God and has enough faith to change the nation. That's monster faith. So where did it get him? Where did it get Elijah? Well, I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Mark, I think Mark, chapter 9. That's the New Testament. Mark chapter 9. Verse, verses 2 through 4. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than any in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. It got him a conference call with Jesus. Isn't that cool? That when before Jesus is left to be crucified, he transfigures into his full nature. And there's Moses and there's Elijah. Elijah also got a chariot to heaven. He didn't have to die. He just got whisked away in the chariot of fire. That's pretty cool. I want to be Elijah. I want to be Elijah. Elijah's the one who's going to come back too. It says he's going to be the first one to tell everybody, hey, you who, here he is. What did it get him? His monster faith got him in the inner circle with the Lord God Almighty. Oh, I want to be in that inner circle. Don't you? Don't you just want to have that monster faith to be right there with God each and every day? To spend time with him? To know that where you are is where he wants you to be? So I want to ask you today, what is your Mount Carmel experience? You know, the rest of the story goes that Elijah then says, you know what, all these jerks here, who's with me? Come with me. And the people came with him. He said, you see all those guys who cut themselves and did everything all day? Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Now, if you read the rest of the story, Elijah has a moment of weakness because we all have those. But the main thing is, monster faith isn't about perfection. It's about service. So I want to ask you today, what is your Mount Carmel experience? Where have you had enough and need to make a stance for God? Me, I've kind of had enough of myself not reaching out the way I should and opening my life 
to the indifference in people's lives where they need to know Christ more. Taking time out of my busy schedule in order to just stop and tell somebody they need to know Jesus when I know that they do. What's your act of monster faith in your life? As the praise team comes up, we're going to open the altar for prayer today. I'm going to ask if, um, is uh, Stephen around here? I didn't see him. Uh, He had to go. Um, Teresa, I know you're running some of that, but I'm going to ask if you'll come pray with people today. And Debbie, would would you as well pray with some people because I I need to play. I'd just like you to stand where you are, and we're going to just pray um, right now. And then if you'd like to have an altar time, you can feel free to do so. So let's pray. Pray with me. Jesus, I just, um, I don't know why you gave me this series, but I, I just need, think you just need me to, to be more Elijah. And God, I just want you to, to, to do that in my life. For somebody here who may not even know you at all, and this may all be completely foreign to them, they may be just like Obadiah, may have existed all those years, love you, do things for you, but God, just somewhere that fear creeps in and you just haven't really fully let go in order to be who who you need to be, and God, just, just, I just want them to know that they're here for a reason today, that you want, you want to touch their hearts. You want to let them know that, that they're more than just a, a cog in the works, that they're your child and you love them dearly, and that you've got a tremendous plan for their lives. It may not always be difficult. It may not always be easy. It may be difficult, but the one thing is it's worthwhile. For someone who's never accepted you, Lord, I ask that today if they feel like, man, you're tugging on my heart, Today, God, I don't know. I don't even have a clue what Jack said today. I don't even, none of it made really much sense to me. And that's all right. But something in my spirit is just moving. I feel this thing deep within me that I just feel like I want to burst into tears or, or laughter or just fall down and just say, I, I've had enough. Whatever it is that they've had enough for, God, just use this time to go ahead and minister to them in a powerful way. God, so many people are hurting. And only you can bring that healing and restoration to their lives. Minister to them. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen.